Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the time has come for the Son to be glorified. He just seems to use the word differently than we do. Our glory days were back when things were better, when life was simpler, and when all you really had to worry about was the stuff that you already made look easy. Our glory days were back when life seemed pretty doable, and everything seemed under control, and we were seen as mighty, admired, respected. The problem with these glory days is that you don't really know that's what they are until they're gone. Because, I mean, we had problems back then, but today's are bigger. The glory days all worked out, but you're still not real sure today will. We remember brighter days, the time before suffering. But the problem with those glory days is that we get so caught up in the power of them that we gloss over not just the problems that all work themselves out, but all the sins we committed in the middle. The way that we see those days shows just how easy it is to be unbothered by what the Lord calls sin, as long as it came without consequence to you. And maybe even worse, it leaves us with a real bad taste in our mouths for the God who would actually call suffering a blessing. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The hour has finally come for the Son to be glorified. Apparently that was not when like 5,000 folks were willing to follow him days out into the middle of nowhere just to hear him talk. The Son was not apparently glorified when he managed to feed them all with like five loaves of bread and two fish. Or when he turned water into wine to be the life of the party. Or in walking on top of water in the middle of a storm or in calming a storm, or in healing the desperate and the sick, or in resisting the devil for 40 days in a trial of wills. Jesus was not glorified in making everything look easy. He was not glorified in power. The hour where the Son of God was glorified was about the third hour, as the sun was blotted out from the sky as he hung on the cross to be mocked by his enemies. The hour has come for the Son to be glorified, but not in strength, rather in weakness. Not in being admired, but in being humiliated. Not in the things that the world respects and we sinners covet, but as he was despised and we esteemed him not when he was stricken, smitten by God and afflicted for you. There, the Son was glorified. There, he won for you eternal life. There, he reveals something of God that we would never otherwise see, because that's really what glory always means. In the Bible, glory is a loaded word. It doesn't just mean cool stuff happening. When the Bible says glory, it's a word for God's presence. It means God is actually meaningfully there. The glory of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. So when angel choirs sang glory to God in the highest, to shepherds, it was because God was truly present on earth now, laying in a manger, 
When the glory of the Lord dwelt on Sinai and a cloud covered it and Moses entered the cloud, it was to go up there and talk to God, who was actually present there, to give him the law. Where God locates himself, there his glory shines. When you read glory, understand God's there. He can work everywhere. That's true. But God's glory shines in certain places. And that means that these places are where he's actually working with purpose. These places are where he's here for you. The Son of God was glorified on the cross. And now that word glory takes a new shape. This is where God wants to be present, not just everywhere, but for you anywhere that you find yourself. Not just in power, but in mercy. This is where the fullness of God's will is finally revealed. Look upon the Son of God as he suffers for you. Look upon the hour of glory. Look upon a God who would be meaningfully present here for you, not for your strength, not for your glory days, but for your weak ones, that his glory would be made manifest for your salvation, your hope, your help in your time of need. Here our God bears your sins. He bears the things that you did in the name of your glory days. He bears your covetousness for the days gone by, and he bears your weaknesses today. He wins for you a victory that none of these things can rob from you. Nothing you did along the way, nothing done to you, and nothing taken from you either. The Son of God was glorified there that you would be with him in the resurrection. And that changes how we see the weakness. That changes how we see our darker days when we wish we could go back in time just to hide from them. The glory rested on Sinai, and a cloud of darkness concealed the Lord. And Moses went up on the mountain to talk with God. Know what that means. The closer Moses went into the darkness, the closer he came to God. The hour of glory was revealed in the Son, suffering for you on the cross. Jesus prays, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The presence of God is found on the cross. That means the closer we come to suffering, the closer we come to him. God is not found outside of suffering, but right in the middle of it. God is not found outside of your dark days, but right in the middle of them. To be inside of them, that actually means to be closer to God, not farther from him. Because God is a God of mercy, not just power. And mercy isn't given to folks who don't need it. Glory doesn't exist apart from crosses. Look, he hangs on them right there for you and for me. So the son does not pray for the might of the world. He prays for the sinners inside of it. He prays for you who suffer in this life. He prays for you who sin and cause suffering unto others. He prays for those given to him. He prays for the baptized. He names your name on his own lips before the Father in heaven that you would be cared for, that you would be protected, that you would be carried forward even through darkness and back out again. He gives us words that are so true that we can pray them too. We can learn from him how to do it. We pray like we have already been given to the Father. It's even in the first two words in the prayer he teaches us. Our Father who art in heaven, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of despair, you have been given a Father in heaven who actually loves you, who dares you to call upon him like children call upon their father. 
even in darkness. He cares for us as a dear father cares for his dear children, and he brings us out of it. Jesus isn't afraid to go into the darkness if that's where you are. It's his to bring you out of it. He isn't unwilling to be present on the cross to save you. Here he manifests God's name. Here he manifests God's glory. He saves us sinners. He shows mercy to you. And he prays. Keep them in your name. And the glory is revealed again where God's name is given to you. You are baptized into God's name. You are baptized into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this means that God will keep you. He will cherish you. He will hold you steadfast, and he will keep you safe through any of this stuff. You wear God's name. You bear his glory. You are baptized into that glory, into that cross, but also into his resurrection. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. That means we don't need to spend our entire life looking back to days where there were no problems. We can look right into the very depth of the darkness of today and look at the cross and remember our baptism. Remember that this is where our God works, not apart suffering, but right through it. Know the God who makes himself present in darkness, who bears it unto death, and who rises again on the other side. And know he is with you now and evermore. In the name of Jesus, amen.